Hello. All right, great. We're on. Welcome to another episode of Some Days Today. Um, this is the episode where we encourage you to live your best life and live the life of your wildest dreams by tapping into um, the space of your imagination to really construct um, the world that you want for yourself. My name is Bola Odina. I am your host. Um, and with me is our honorary host who is sometimes here, most of the times not always here, but definitely always unwilling to be here and be a part of the story. Mac Odina. Yeah, just say hello. Hello, and I, I guess you're choosing not to use the tagline today since we have an honored guest. No, the tagline and, um, is at the end of the show. Really? Yes. Now it's at the end of the show. Okay, but anyways, I'm always unwilling. Um, that's because you're always unwilling to to let me produce the way I think this should you're go. Right. Yep. Right. Thank you. <laughs> All right. And with us today, we have an amazing guest. Um, her name is Tokwe Fajingbesi Balogun. I don't. Did I say your middle name right? Yes. Fajingbesi. Tokwe is amazing, and you know we will dive into all the various. Um, facets and the reasons why she's so amazing and why I really wanted to chat with her on this podcast. Um, but just as a brief introduction, just from what I know about you, but I know you'll do a much better job of introducing yourself. I know you're a social entrepreneur, you're a CPA, you call yourself a retired CPA, but it sounds like you still consult on the side. A little bit. Yeah. A little bit. Um, financial management consultant, inspirational speaker, um, you're a purpose-driven life teacher. I got this from your website. Oh, God. <laughs> An author? Yeah. Of at least two or three books? Three. Three books, which is amazing. Um, a host, yeah. um, a blogger. You are the chief executive of the CEO Conference. Um, so really just an amazing human being. And you also have a foundation for kids as well, right? So and it, it, as, in addition to all of that, I believe you teach accounting basics. Is that right? So let me just turn this over. Um, welcome, Talkway. So can you just give us, add more flesh <laughs> um, to everything that I just talked about? Thank you so much for having me, Bola. Yeah. And um, before I say, you know, anything about me, which I had to draw my org chart so that I don't, you know, say things that I don't do. I remember <laughs> the things that I actually do. Uh-huh. I just want to say that I met you mm-hmm. at um, one of the classes I was teaching for LEDC EWI. And... You said your name and I was like, oh my God, she's Nigerian. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> and like I've been teaching the, those classes since 2012 and at least once a year, there will be one Nigerian. Oh, is that right? Yes, uh-huh. who will show up and I'll just be all excited. So uh-huh. it was really nice to meet you. Yeah. But um, I spend most of my time teaching at the University of Maryland College Park. I teach in the College of Agriculture. I teach agricultural finance, entrepreneurship, math. God, I can't believe and business management Mm. and i'm also a student advisor so that's like half of my days i do that Mm. i'm also excited that through the university of ghana i will be leading a study abroad class to ghana the next summer oh my god can i can i come yes you can come okay (laughs) we can figure out because i'm going to tell you okay I'm trying to be out of here, okay. the U.S. as much as possible. I'm always looking for opportunities to be out. You, you know, Sounds you're like going to like this it. one. It's going okay. to be a leadership and teamwork class in uh, in partnership with the University of Ghana. Yeah. End of May and June next year. Can you help me look up an opportunity for me to also <laughs> get paid we, while I'm here? <laughs> 
we'll, we'll see what happens. Okay, but great. We, we, we'll we open this up to non-UMD students as well because mm. we know that there will be people who want to engage the continent. And that's really what we want to do. We want to take um, people of color, mm. especially those who have never been to the continent, right. to engage in such a way that is meaningful. Right. So I can tell you about the class later. But that's, but that's amazing. And, uh, and I know Ghana... Yeah. Ghana is doing like a huge yeah. back to Africa yes. thing. So yes. is that part of the initiative? Absolutely. Nice. Yes. So nice. this is this is gonna be good. Okay. And so that's half of my life. The other half, I run a company called House of Ghania. Mm -hmm. House of Ghania is um, in the U.S. and in Nigeria. And what I do with that is to produce programs and publications that inspire. Mm -hmm. The biggest thing that we do is Shio. Mm -hmm. Shio is. Um, you said it was a conference, and I was like. No. Oh, is it not? No. Oh. So I, I it's um it's an experience. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's an experience. Oh, I like that. It's an event. It's a safe platform for women of African descent mm. to have discussions that matter. Discussions that we normally don't talk about, things that we don't talk about. We talk about the scars behind the success and the struggles. And the stories that are often untold about relationships, about occupation, about wellness, and about wealth. We are about to have the seventh edition of Shio in Lagos, Nigeria on January 25th. Oh, wow. C can I come? Yes. <laughs> January 25th? Yes. Wow. Oh, 2020. Yes. Okay, okay. So that will be the seventh, yes, seventh wow. global edition. We've had previous editions in Baltimore, we've had in London, and we've had in Lagos. Mm. And um, apart from that, I also have what I call vested interests. So my vested interest, I'm a partner in a farm in Montgomery County with my husband, who is the farmer, but I do the marketing and the advisory and the accounting and, you know, just being the partner who doesn't know the difference between Buckley and something else. And I also run on a volunteer basis a nonprofit organization in Nigeria called United for Kids Foundation. This was something I started in 2002 when I first moved to the U.S. and I just wanted to keep in touch with home. Yeah. But it has grown to the point of having 13 staff and we serve about 10,000 children every week. Wow. And um, also do a very huge program called the UKF Back to School where we give up to 15,000 children back to school bags and books and things that they need to thrive while in school. Then I sit on some boards on, for some community organizations in the mid-Atlantic area. But essentially, my life's mission is to do work that impacts. And that work, most especially with women and with children. So that's about me. So I have multiple questions. Yes. Sorry, I'm kind of taking over a little bit. But um, the first is, how tired are you? <laughs> oh my goodness you don't even want to know I am so tired most of the time every time I put out a video I put out something people are like oh my god you you have so much energy I'm like you have no idea mm -hmm. yesterday I got home and my husband was waking me up at 8 o'clock he was like can we go to bed wow. I was there on the couch just done mm -hmm. which is like my life on most days mm -hmm. <laughs> but no, so, so let me just say anyone who knows me will naturally know why I'm drawn to talk with them. <laughs> you know, because everything you talked about, honestly, when you stood up in class and started saying all that, was like, this is the realized version of me. <laughs> oh, no, maybe it's the other somebody, way around. No. This is, everything you've stated 
from conferences to books to foundations to doing audios, videos. But I everything. also I also take time off. So when I finished the, the CEO in Lagos is, you know, the busiest, most stressful thing that I do, mm-hmm. and I started at the beginning of the year. Mm-hmm. So when I finish CEO Lagos. I go away. And when I go on vacation, I go on vacation. I have oh. no phones. I have no no computer. I have no contact with the anywhere in the world. I just shut down and sit down and just look at the beach and just write. Nice. Do you do yoga? No. Meditation? You should. You should come with me. So, <laughs> I'm, I'm like a huge advocate. You should come with me. No, Lifetime Gaithersburg actually has amazing yoga um, I used studios. to I used to do some work for the Yoga Alliance. Oh, okay. And every time I would get to the office and I would see people on their head, on the things, I'm like, <laughs> the Nigerian in me will come out. But because I'm Muslim, mm-hmm. and when I'm praying, most of the time you're like in reflection and in a state of quietness, and you have to do this like five times a day. Mm-hmm. So I find those to be my very calming moments. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Even though it takes me like a minute to calm my, my mind down, but those things really calm me. And it comes at, you know, the times we pray are so strategic for me personally that I wake up in the morning and is the first thing I have to do. Mm-hmm. Then my day is going around 12 and I have to break and pray. Mm-hmm. And then around 3 o'clock I have to break and pray. And mm-hmm. then around 5 o'clock I have to break and pray. So it's like it forces me to kind of pause in my crazy days to just spend time with my soul. So Yeah, that's amazing. Nope. So a couple of things, I'm sorry. Are we gonna have to pray today? No, no, I'm done. I've prayed. Oh, really? Yeah. It would have been nice to pray together. Next time. Next time. Next time we'll do that. And then number two, I agree. I think prayer is amazing, especially from a place of centering and really just um, manifesting that which you want for your life and your, for yourself. But the part of yoga that I really enjoy is also the physical aspects of it, the stretching. So I still think you can benefit quite a bit from yoga. I will. I will definitely add it to my, my school you know, lineup because okay. I can get to the gym, which mm-hmm. is not too far from mm-hmm. me. So I want to start making it a habit yeah. to okay. go. Very good. So you wanted to say something, Mac? Uh, yeah. So, um, so what? What? Do you mind? Mercy. Okay. So, um, the question uh, that I have is, you know, I, I Bola, like she said, she's somebody who you know runs around and does a and gets into a lot of things as well. Um, you know, I can definitely see that in in you. And in fact, I feel like there is, um, and we probably had a discussion on this a little bit, but like I see that a lot of women, um, especially, um, are, you know, basically about their business. They get into things um, a lot easier and they're not afraid. They're, they're you know, just definitely go-getters and, and that sort of thing. And I'm wondering if you think it is like a woman thing or if this is something that's um, particular to you and your personality. Have you always been the kind of person who wants to basically conquer the world all at once or um, you know is this something that you know I have my own theories but I'd like to get your sense or is this something that is like uh, you know uh, women because of how society have bought them up or like you know knocking down walls because they have more freedom so it's two things actually and um, I have seen women who I feel like you need to get up and you know do more Mm. especially in the developing countries But there are two things that I think that I think are responsible for the way I am. The first one is that I sincerely, sincerely to my heart believe that every human being has just two duties. The first one is to find out why they're here. The second one is to find 
who is supposed to help them make that why happen. Mm-hmm. So if you find that why you are here is to serve a, a big tribe, then you should go ahead and do that and do it because we just don't know how much time we have. Mm-hmm. But if you, if you find that your tribe is one billion people mm-hmm. and you surround yourself with people who are very small minds, who try to hold you down. You're going to be running around like a headless chicken, not serving anyone. Mm. And on the contrary, I always tell people that some people are supposed to serve just their spouse. Mm. Some people are supposed to serve just their kids. Mm. But they look at Oprah and they're like, oh, I want to mm. sell out arenas. But you, you've made a mistake about your why. Mm. So for me, I feel like my why, there's a reason why God made me Nigerian and American. Mm. And... I have to make sure that I make it happen because I want to die empty. Mm-hmm. This is my <clears throat> ambition. I don't want to die with any gas in my tank at all. Mm-hmm. And, and the second thing is also, I, I think we, we um, how will I say this? We're some of our stories. So when I was growing up, my dad and my mom, you know, I, I think they were both good parents in their own way. But my dad married another wife at some point mm. and I saw how it really you know a little bit I, I think messed up my mom a little bit mm. and I was in my second year in university then in Nigeria and I said no man born of a woman will ever do anything better than me mm. I was so determined it was crazy mm. and I just went like schoolwork went everything like I was I became so competitive but then I had my own life experiences I got into a marriage that I had no business getting into and then it was just bad Mm. and then I came out and I said no there's nothing about man or woman or whatever it's about me and my job and I have to make sure that I'm doing my job and I'm not allowing distractions from any human being man or woman or any element so for me getting busy and doing stuff is something that is very deep it has a very deep meaning to me because I I lost my cousin this morning in Nigeria. Oh, he wow. was just about 44. Wow. And I'm so sorry. Thank you. Yeah. And he's gone. Hmm. He, whatever he was supposed to do, I hope he did it. Hmm. So this can be anyone. I don't ever want to get to the point where that's me. And I'm not even done. Wow. Welcome. That's amazing. Real quickly. Sure. Because I think all of that is very insightful. I appreciate it. Um, how do you find what you're supposed to do? I think that's the key because a lot of times you don't have any idea whether or not you... So how do you determine whether or not you should be Oprah or you should be like, oh, that's not for me? Excellent question. I thought you said he was just the background producer. <laughs> I don't know who this man is. Well, I mean... He's bringing his when you bring in a guest <laughs> that I've is never... bringing it... <laughs> He's definitely bringing it today. Okay. So, and I I used to have those questions before 2014. I wasn't sure what I was supposed to do. I didn't think, you know, anything of, you know, I just did my work and I did my work well. But 2014, my dad died. But before he died, I'd been struggling with my work. You know, it was a high-profile job. I was well-paid. There was no reason to leave it. I had seven weeks vacation, my medical paid, very good high six figures. Like, what else did I want? Mm. And then 
I was in the University of Oxford doing a program when I got a call that my dad had a stroke. You don't think you have the number of your credit card in your head until you need it. Mm. And I wrote it down, bought a ticket and flew to Nigeria. And I saw my dad. He was 69. Half of his body paralyzed. Mm. My dad was a major, major busy person. Major hustler. Was a politician, an engineer, a farmer. Like, he was everything. Mm. And I'm seeing this man lying down there. Half of his body not useful. And I was in Nigeria for 10 days. And the question I kept asking myself is, if this was me, am I ready to go? Mm. And every day I got into that hospital room, I was like, no. And I said, what else do I want to do? And it started coming to me. And as things were coming to me, as things I was supposed to do, I started thinking, but I don't have the money to do this. I don't have the time to do this. And I was like, no, you first of all have to remove the distractions. And the major distraction was my job. Mm. And I was like, this job is a distraction. But I said, how would I afford my $2,100 a month mortgage if I leave this job? Mm. How would I afford this lifestyle, that lifestyle? Mm. And I realized that the only thing the human soul needs is to eat well, mm. to sleep well, and to breathe well. Every other thing is luxury. I came back, let go of the house, let go of everything, and I moved into this tiny studio for a couple months, and I was like, I'm okay, I'm happy, I'm fine, nothing happened. And I started to think about, you know, previous jobs, think about previous incidents in my life, and I realized God is always speaking. The question is, have you been listening? Mm. <clears throat> and I realized that I was such a bad listener. So I decided that every year I will go on a solo vacation with no technology whatsoever and just think and just unplug and get to the point where I'm bored. When you get to the point where your soul is so bored, you will find your answers, no doubt. No distractions, you will find your answer. And everything and everyone you think will not be okay will be okay. When you come back, even if it's one hour that you take to, for yourself every year, say this one hour, not taking anybody's phone call. I'm just going to stand by the water which inspires me or look at the mountain or do something. Or you can be like me and take six days or whatever. You will come back a better wife. You will come back a better husband. You will come back a better parent. And all those people you thought couldn't survive without you will be just fine. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah. Thank you. <clears throat> That's great. So this is also another reason why, I mean, there's so many reasons why I was so inspired by you. I recently just left my job. Uh-oh, yeah. <laughs> it was a distraction. Yep. Major distraction. And it was similar thing, consulting, very well paid. There's no reason why you I don't, I should yeah. leave it. But yeah. I just felt like this is pointless. This yeah. is not adding value to who I believe I should be and what yeah. I should be serving. Yeah. And, you know, did some soul searching and ultimately just decided the best thing for me to do is It leave. is scary, but the it worst is. thing that can happen is that you will fall. And if you mm -hmm. fall, you stand. Right. And what you also said is what I've been figuring out is that whatever it is that you need is always there. 
It is. We do too much trying to over-provide, trying to overthink, and we end up spinning ourselves crazy. But when you get back to basics, you actually have more than your soul desires. Yeah. And you're actually able to pause and really tap into that space like you And just were open up about. yourself to possibilities, especially when something makes you afraid. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, to mm-hmm. say, what is the worst that can happen if this you know, fear came true. What's the worst that can happen? Yeah, yeah. Um, and most of the time I'm like, the worst that can happen is that I'll be broke. Mm-hmm. And nobody ever gets, you know, killed because they're broke. And even if you're broke, what I tell myself all the time is, thank God for Julius and Eunice, my parents. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They got a home. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you can always pack up. Hey, kids, we're going back to grandma and grandma's house. <laughs> now, it is, is. This is the thing, though. Um, this is very, I think, um, What's the word I want to use? Forget the word. But here's the thing that I think is different from, maybe different, um, for, for women than it is for men, right? You yes. say the worst thing that could happen is you're broke. For a woman, I think the way that we have been acculturated in society, I'm broke. Nobody really, well, nobody's going to judge you too harshly, mm-hmm. okay? For, for in our society, if you don't have children, that you, as a woman, you're judged more harshly than if you're broke. As a man, if you don't have, if you're broke, especially with if you have a family, you're gonna be judged harshly. Like the idea for, and I'm, I'm wondering if this is part of it. I, you know, like I said, I have theories, but the idea for a man to just be like, oh, you know, if I'm broke, then I'm broke. Like that is a tougher decision as a foundational, you know, per, uh, understanding of who you are to be able to be that that fearless about it, I think. Very, very, very excellent point. I really, you know, you're going to make me launch into a story now. <laughs> so, um, I don't think, I don't know if I sent you this video of my husband's farm. There was a documentary. It, did, it didn't, um, it said the video was taken down. Oh, I'm sorry, that was a draft. Okay. I will send you the final. Okay, yeah, because I was trying to watch it. Mm-hmm. That draft, that draft had 10,000 views by the time it was taken down. Mm. And it was all in about two days. And this week, my husband has been on television, NBC. He's been, like, people have stopped him in the store. Are you Dodo fams? Are you Dodo fams? Like, people are like, are you this? Are you that? Are you all of that? And I think about the fact that, and I've been doing this series on Instagram all week about behind the scenes before the viral video. And one of the things I said today was related to this. When I met my husband... He was broke, as in broke, like as in zero dollar broke. And thank God for great women. <laughs> and I said, and I was so terrified. Mm. And, and again, he was in Nigeria. And now my husband is um, 53 this year. So we got married. This is our fourth year. So I'm telling we got married within three months of us meeting. And so that time it was about 50, 49, 50. And this is a man who is broke. My husband didn't go to college. So he's not like, okay, he will come here and then he will get this job as an entry level person. No, age wasn't on his side. And, you know, qualifications not on his side, all of this stuff. So my fear was, what am I going to do with this person? But I said, I will marry a broke person. Mm-hmm but I will not marry a lazy person. Mm -hmm. I will marry a poor man, 
but I will not marry a man who lacks vision. Mm. I will marry a man that is penniless, but I will not marry a man that is too timid to follow his dreams. Mm. Because the worst that would happen is that he will be this broke. Mm. That's the worst that will happen. Mm. But he will always get back up. Mm. So when I look at this, you know, massive dodo farms, um, empire that is building. And I think about the man who started just last season, this farm just last season. I know the power of being connected to your GPS. That thing that directs you in your soul and says, go this way. And the whole world is telling you, you're going to be broke. You're going to be poor. You're, you're not going to be able to provide because that is the, the fear of most men. What makes me a man is what I'm able to provide. What makes you a man is not the money. What makes you a man is the courage mm -hmm. that you're able to show. And I think that once we begin to lead and we're, like I said, there are two things that are important, your why and your who. If you're with somebody who is, if you're a man and you're with a woman who doesn't understand that we might not have a Bentley, we might not even have a townhouse, heck, we might not even have more than one bedroom, but we're going somewhere. If that's not who you're with, then you can, you cannot take any risk. No, that's. <clears throat> <laughs> I'm writing things down, and I, 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 I don't even know what else to say. But one thing, uh, did you? I'm sorry, I just wanted to think about that. For a second. You're gonna think about it, or do you know? Yeah, go ahead. So another reason, several reasons why I'm just inspired. Number one. Where was JoJo Farms last year when we were looking for produce? We did a year of um, Buy Black. Oh, Buy Black. you have to come had, back. Yeah, we're going to have to. And it's in Bethesda, you said? We're in um, Ro um, Brookville. Brookville is just on New Hampshire Avenue. Oh, yeah. The other side of Silver Spring. We yeah. ended up joining a um, cooperative, um, but it's a black farmer. You oh, may nice. know her in D.C., out of D.C. I forget her name. Um Elaine, it's an E, I forget, but she does farming oh. and produce, does um, CSA. Fantastic. Yeah, yes. yeah. That's good. Do you guys do CSA? We do. Okay. But wow. if you're with a black farmer, stay with Well, um, no, no, I'm going to, so we were, we we're done okay. for this season. So good. We'll, so you can we'll come. Check you guys Please out. make sure. Yeah. We have no, all amazing. certified naturally grown produce, everything grown by hand, no fertilizers, no chemicals, nothing. Well, yeah. It is hard work. <laughs> That's what we're looking for. That's exactly You've convinced me. Yeah. We'll be right there. Um, I mean, that's so. In, you guys are just so inspiring in so many ways. So, Thank number you. one, the retiring early was an inspiration because I've never heard of a Nigeria. Retiring <laughs> a at 30 something. That, yeah. was, that was me. And everybody's looking at me like, I think Bola is going through a midlife crisis. Yeah. Yeah. Let's not tell her anything. Him. <laughs> Bola is going through a midlife it crisis, is scary. people. It but, is, yeah. And another thing that inspired me because I I tell people all the time, which is I would love for you to maybe speak as much as you want about this, is you were this is your second marriage. Yes. Married previously. Yes. And when you said this ain't going to work, mm -hmm. <laughs> she was like, and I'm out. Mm. And I say this all the time. I tell people all the time, listen, mm. a decision you made yesterday, you should not have to be hampered by today. If it's no longer working, feel free to exit stage left. But a lot of people will say, oh, my God, how can you say that? It's not fair. So once again, I'm just like, you have the freedom to write whatever book and whatever story you want. And it should not be based on the narratives you told yourself in the past. And I just love that you're <laughs> a walking example of that. Can you speak a bit about that? So this is something I talk about very openly and I'm very um, clear about it. So my first husband that I got married to, I don't think he's a bad person, but it was just a bad situation. And... Being Nigerian, 
getting married at 32 was like seven years past my expiry mm -hmm. period. Mm -hmm. Right. So everyone was praying and doing all kinds of stuff. And I became, I, I thought I was under pressure. Mm. But I've since learned that nobody mm -mm. can put you under the pressure you don't put yourself. Mm -hmm. So I was the one who was pressuring myself. So every time external pressure came, it just made the one that was inside boil over. Mm. Because I really had no business marrying the person I married the first time. However, if I didn't marry that first man, mm. I would never appreciate a man like my second husband. Everything happens for a reason. It does. And mm -hmm. I always say that, have you ever seen a woman birth a child without pain? Mm -hmm. Whether it's C-section or regular birth, there's pain at some point. So if you're going to birth something, there's going to be pain. Mm -hmm. This new me had to go through some fire. And, you know, it was, it was definitely a confusing time for me. It was really, really confusing. But... I think meeting my husband, my current husband, was an answer to the prayer of who is supposed to help me do this. Mm. We, got, we got married in 2016, April. By September 2016, he was in the U.S. from Nigeria. And not to leave, he came to drive me to Grand Rapids, Michigan where I had just been posted to campaign for Hillary. Mm. And when we got there, he said, because I told him, I'm not going to take the job. They posted me to Michigan. I'm not going to Michigan. I don't know anybody there. And Grand Rapids is white, blah, blah, blah. He said, no, this is going to be a game changer for you. Mm. So you have to go. I said, well, I'm not driving 692 miles. He said, then I'll be there. And he was there that week. He came. We got to Michigan. And they said, oh, you're going to need an intern. I said, this is all white situation. I'm as black as they come. Then I have this hijab on my head. Mm -hmm. Nobody's going to work for me for free. Mm. My husband <coughs> asked me, he said, what do I need to be your intern? Wow. I said, I'll teach you wow. how to, you know, converse. You, you should be able to do it. He said, I can do it. He worked for me 17 hours every day until the election. For me, I think that when you are in a marriage, in a partnership with somebody, both of you have to be able to do those kind of things for yourself. Mm -hmm. for, I would go out of my way for my husband, mm -hmm. just like he would go out of his way for me. And unlike the first situation I was in, there's no competition. Mm -hmm. There's only collaboration. Mm. And this is the challenge that most women have. You are in a situation where you are at war with your spouse, but only one of you is prepared. Mm -hmm. It might be the woman, it might be the man, but only one of you is fighting. The, the other one is just busy, you know, receiving the blows. And because of the expectations, especially for us Africans, because of the expectations, we don't want to walk. I always tell people that I walked for my first marriage. I did, but that was when I almost died. Like, I literally almost died, not mm -hmm. figuratively. Like, it was real. Uh, because the reason why I didn't walk before was because I was scared. I thought I didn't get married until I was 32. They're going to say she's focused on her career. She's too picky. She's too bad. She's too that. And, you know, my ex-husband, he appears quiet. And I am, like, all over the place. And so it was easy for people to think, oh, she just was not respectful. She was just not this way. And... 
those kind of things are hard mm-hmm. for people to, you know, to defend. Mm-hmm. It's, I always tell people that being Muslim and being Nigerian makes divorce look like a death sentence mm-hmm. because you have to be, you have to be strong and ready. About six months before I left my ex-husband, he really, really battered me. It was really bad. And my mom was around. And she was so scared and so tired. And she said I should call a religious leader. So you mean like physical? Yeah. Oh, wow. Wow. So I I called this religious leader. And he came and he was telling me, just be patient, just be patient, just be patient. And I was thinking, can you not see what's going on? Mm -hmm. When I then left him on my own and I called this religious leader and said, I have left. Mm -hmm. He said, oh, thank God. Wow. I was like, what? He said, you know, that day I just couldn't tell you. I couldn't be that person to tell you to leave. But I thought, you know, you were married to somebody who was very angry. So, you know, we have to make the decisions ourselves when we're in situations that are bad, but it's also very hard. I want people who are not in bad situations to understand that. Mm-hmm. It is very hard. Mm-hmm. It is very tough. You have to, you, it takes you to another place entirely mm-hmm. for women to be able to, you know, take that step to leave a situation, whether physically, mentally, or emotionally abusive. Yeah. So. I always say marriage is a very lonely sort of journey that a lot of women make, which is so interesting because a lot of us get married and you would, you, sh- you would think it should be more of a sisterhood. <laughs> but a lot of times, you know, narratives are being crafted that are not true to reality. Yeah. So a lot of times people end up feeling like, well, if everyone is having a great time here, I must be the only one exactly. who is struggling. So. Which is why I do She Yeah. She is where the masks come off. Yeah. And people talk about real deep situations. That's why we don't record, we don't live stream, we don't do anything. Because I want people to be able to talk from a very authentic portion, uh, part of their heart so that somebody else has permission. Mm-hmm to understand that I'm not the crazy person. And it's not a male bashing thing. It's like, this is what didn't go right in my job. This is, this is what didn't go right in that union or whatever. But I feel, I feel like we need more safe spaces mm-hmm. for people to speak truthfully mm-hmm. about issues like this. Mm-hmm. Thank you for listening to today's episode of Someday is Today. Hopefully you found the conversation with Tope amazing thus far. Stay tuned for part two of this conversation. Until then, have a great day.